0: So, if you have a Bible and uh, you want to join me, we're going to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. We're in a series right now called God Is, and I want to read this passage with you. Um, And then we're going to talk about today what God is as we get into the message a little bit. So, Colossians chapter 1, this is a letter from Paul to the church in Colossae, I think is how you say it. It's not a church that he planted, it's a church that um, I think Epaphras planted, but Epaphras came back to Paul and was reporting some situations, some things, and Paul, you know, being the apostle and the teacher that he is, writes this letter to encourage them, to bring some challenge, to, uh, to bring some accurate theological teaching, and in this particular passage we're going to see one of the most beautiful, brilliantly written, it's actually a poem in many ways, descriptions of who Jesus is, who God is. We're talking about who God is in this series. And um, I, I just want to invite you to, even if you've heard this before, to fully engage in what this is actually describing to us. This is what it says. He is speaking about Jesus right here, but we're going to talk about uh, all the aspects of what the Godhead looks like today a little bit. But this is what it says. He is the image Of the invisible God. In other words, if you see Jesus, you see God. In other words, if anybody says to you, Does the Bible actually say that Jesus is God? Yes, it does. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven. And on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, everything, the mountains and the trees and you and I and the Taliban and everybody, everything was created by God through the sun. Even the dominions, even the heavens, even the skies, even everything in the universe, physical and not physical, everything's been created by him and through him. All things were created through him and for him. Not just created through him, but for him. Everything is for him. He is, the, uh, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You are living and breathing and moving and not just destructing right now because you're being held together in him. And he is the head of the body, which is the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be, here's the theological word for you, preeminent. Your version might say, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. This really is a follow-up message to what J.O. was preaching last week. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent. God is awesome. So I'm just continuing on with that thought. If you haven't heard that one, you should go back and listen to it. He will be preeminent, for in him... All of the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through His blood on the cross. Lord, I thank you for this moment that we have, and wow, freedom to be in your presence. I thank you so much that even though we forget sometimes, we take for granted. Uh, or sometimes we show up and, and it's just maybe going through the motions or tradition, and we church is what we do on Saturday night. But right now we're reminded again that it is such an honor to be able to gather, to stand in your presence and meet with you at all, while we were enemies from you. You you made us your sons and your daughters. You you forgave our sins while we were enemies. You made us alive with Christ and you've seated us with him in the heavenly places. We thank you, God, for your salvation. We thank you that you are awesome. We thank you that you're our father. We thank you that you want to do something significant in this moment. So we open our ears and our heart and we say, whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit, would you do it? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, tonight I need to interact with you a little bit, okay? Is that okay? Can I, can I get you to do something with me? You're going to like it. Nah, you're going to love it. So I need everybody to stand up. Look at your neighbor and say, we need you. Okay? I need full participation. I need, I need Chris Hall in the back. I need Michael Bailey in the back. Oh, yeah, getting called out. Come on now. If you're above 50, I need you, okay? You're going to like this. It's going to pay off for you. If you're in middle school or high school, you're not too cool. You're going to like this. Hey, I need everybody. Come on, stand with me. Stand with me. Yeah, I'm calling people out. Okay, this is all you got to do. You're going to love this. All you got to do is repeat after me, okay? I said a boom, chicka boom. I said a boom, chicka boom. Okay, I need 100% participation now. Is anybody not joining me? I said a boom, chicka, rocka, chicka, rocka, chicka, boom. Close. We'll get better. Uh huh. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, one more time. Here we go, janitor version. I said a broom, sweep a broom. Come on, you join me? I said a broom, sweep a broom. I said a broom sweep a mop a sweep a mop a sweep a broom. <laughs> uh huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, one more time. You won't? Okay, we'll do it again. Race car version. I said a vroom, shift a vroom. I said a vroom, shift a broom. I said, a room shift, a clutch, a shift, a clutch, a shift, a vroom. <laughs> J.O. is struggling. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, one more time. Star Wars version. I said, uh. Boom, 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 chick, boom, chick. Okay, we're done, We're done, We're done. Sit down. <laughs> now, what does that have to do with the sermon? Nothing. That song has absolutely... Nothing to do with this sermon. It has absolutely nothing to do with Colossians chapter 1. And that's the point. I'm glad you had fun. But the point of all that was actually that there was no point. But what I did is I got all of you to do something with your actions, with your words, for no point. Why? Why? Maybe you like me and you thought, oh, I'll just do this for him. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Maybe it's because your neighbor next to you said, I need you to do this. Maybe it's because you didn't want to feel out and everybody around you was doing it. Maybe it's because I told you, you're going to like it. No, you're going to love it. Now, I know this is a silly analogy, but the truth is, if we're not careful we can go through life engaging in something that doesn't matter because something convinced us that it was meaningful. Maybe it's an authority figure, somebody standing on a stage. Maybe it's the people around you. Maybe there was a promise that was given to you that you're going to like this. You're going to love this. It's going to pay off for you. But the truth is, if we're not careful, we're going to live our whole life living for something that doesn't matter. So tonight I, I want to preach this message to you. God is the point. God is the point. God is the point of all of this. Everything. He's the point. He is. He is the reason that you exist. He is the reason for all of the cosmos. He is the reason for the trees and the animals and that kitty that you love. I don't know why you love the kitty, but he... The love that's inside of you for that kitty is somehow tied to the fact that God is love and you're supposed to love God. Now you're like, maybe you're thinking, what, this is a little too fluffy. It's not too fluffy. It's not, every single thing that you do in this life is supposed to be for God. Everything, what did the scripture just tell us? Everything that was created was created through him and for him. The point of your life is not to get to retirement, make enough money to become fat, dumb, and happy, and just coast your way into eternity. What are you living for right now? The point of all of this is, now let's just, let's just get theological for just a moment, okay? Let's talk about the Trinity. We don't talk about it very much, and, and I think that there's like a lot of people that are new to the faith, and you maybe don't even know this, so... Here's the deal. The Father is really special. Okay? God the Father, the creator of everything. He opens his mouth and things happen. God, the creator of the universe, he is the Father. Jesus says, I don't do anything except for on the will of the Father. I exist for my Father's business. So the Father is special. You know who else is special? The Holy Spirit. Both Jesus and the Father say he is the promise of the Father, the Spirit. Jesus says it's better for you that I go from your presence in the physical because when I go from you, I'll send my Spirit to be inside of you. And so the Holy Spirit is special. You know who else is special? The Son. The Father says that that everything that was created was created through the Son and for the Son. Everything that is in the universe is put under his feet. Every knee will bow before the name of Jesus. And so is the Father God? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit fully God? Yes. Is the Son fully God? Yes. And no, the word Trinity does not show up in the Bible. What does show up in the Bible is 2,000 pages of him expressing himself in these three different persons found in perfect unity. This is what we mean when we say Trinity. We believe in three persons, one God. It's kind of like, not entirely like, but kind of like water. Water can be solid, like the Father, water can be liquid, like the rivers of living water, like the sun, and water can be gas, like the Spirit. All H2O, all different, and yet the same thing. Now you say, well, that's, uh, that analogy falls short. And yes, it does, because if we could fully understand the Almighty God, then it's not much of a God. I know, understand people's argument when they're like, well, you gotta be able to explain it all to me, or, you know, really? Should an ant be able to understand the complexity of your brain? No. This is God. Thank the Lord that he's made anything able for us to understand. But this is who he is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. In this passage, Paul is talking about the preeminent. Here's the second theological word. The preeminence of Christ. Now, when you see Christ, you see the Father. Jesus said that. If you see me, you've seen the Father. And so there are three persons, but you could, talk, you could talk about any of them. You could pray to any of them. They are one together. We understand this, right? God is one. We are monotheistic. We believe in one God. And so if it's talking about Jesus, it's talking about the Godhead. And the Godhead, but through the Son... All things that were created were created. Romans even tells us this in Romans eleven thirty six. 36. It says, for by him and through him and to him are all things. To God be the glory forever. Amen. So I'm trying to remind you that God is the point. I don't want, to, I don't want you to get to the end of your life and have, have worked so hard to make enough money to just retire. And like, buy an RV and finally drive around America. But here's the thing, like buy an RV and drive around America, but do it with God in mind and in heart because God is the point. What did Jesus say? The greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. God is the point of everything. Your hobbies? Should I just stop with my hobbies and you know make music, make art, do your underwater basket weaving if that's what you like? Like, do whatever. But God is the point. I just man, I I, I don't even know. Are you picking up what I'm saying? Like this whole thing is God didn't come to us and create us and save us so that we could come to church for two hours a week. It's not about church for two hours a week and your small group on Wednesday, even though I'm glad you're in my small group on. Everything, all of life, every breath in your lung, every dollar in your bank account, every hobby you have, every job that you might have, everything is about God. He's the point of it all. Every animal in creation You know, Romans tells us that, that all of creation is speaking to us about his invisible attributes. Namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So we are what? Without excuse. We can see God in all of creation. We can see God in the sun. And I just am so convinced now more than ever in this season... That nothing else in comparison to him matters. Now, sometimes when you hear a message like this, it, it can come off like, well, we should just stop, you know, stop doing everything else and just, you know, come to church full time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, would you would you embrace in your heart? the spirit and the attitude that in all of the things that God has given us because in our hobbies, in our delights, in the sports and in the music and in our friends, all of those things are good gifts from God that we would embrace a worshipful spirit, not just in church, but in all of those things that we would use all of those things for. I I spent too much of my life trying to convince people that if they're really serious about God, then they'll go into full-time vocational ministry. I'm repenting of that because every Christian should be in full-time ministry and some of us are going to have it for a vocation. If you're building buildings or you're raising kids or you're weaving those baskets underwater or you're making music or you're whatever you're doing, we should be doing that for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, for the love of God. He is the point of all of this. How many things do we give our lives to? Like our our focus and our attention, our passion. Do we really, truly believe that God is everything? I just watched a documentary on what's going on in the Middle East and man, I heard a testimony. I feel like if I say it in this room, some of y'all might get mad. But what Jesus has called us to, if we're actually gonna be Christians, is to die to ourselves, to live for him, all in. The American gospel is dying. The biblical gospel is coming alive. This is not just a supplement to your life. This is your life. He is your life. I want to close with just three simple thoughts. How do you know that you really believe and live like God is the point of everything? Number one. You are as concerned with heaven coming to earth as you are with you going to heaven. You are as concerned with heaven coming to earth, the kingdom of God coming here. Jesus taught us to pray this, your kingdom come. He didn't teach us to pray, rapture me out so I can go to your kingdom. Some of us are looking forward to the rapture just a little bit too much. If there even is one, that's a sermon for another day. You know that you believe and live like God is the point. When you are desiring what God desires on this earth, and you care about what God cares about on this earth in this life. Now it's cool. Thank the Lord, we're going to heaven. We're all we're all excited to go to heaven. We have that blessing already. We know where we're going. But while we're here, do we actually care about his kingdom coming to us? Are we trying to get somewhere when we die or are we actually truly interested in living a life now that is pleasing to him? Are you interested in the eradication of sin in your life? Truly. Are you like, like, just you have to ask yourself the question, are you trying to figure out how much sin you can get away with so you can still get into heaven? Or are you trying to figure out how the Spirit can eradicate sin in you because it's your delight to honor the heart of the Father? Because you hate sin, because you love God that much. Are you... Are you truly interested in reaching other people with the gospel message, not because you know you're supposed to preach the gospel, but because you love what God loves, other people? Do you actually enjoy your salvation enough to tell somebody else about it? I will be honest with you. I got, I got so comfortable preaching online and on this stage that I figured out that I, hardly ever told anybody about Jesus outside the walls of this church or outside of the lens of the camera and so a few weeks ago when our guest speaker at youth camp Chris Donald came I felt so convicted that some of us a group of us and I would encourage you to do this we made a commitment to each other we need to tell somebody in person every day about Jesus kind of crazy that pastors don't even do that huh actually what's crazy is that Christians don't do that (laughs) And so it's it's really difficult. I don't always feel like it, but man, my kids have been such an encouragement. We're at the house at 10 p.m. Hey dad, did you tell somebody about God today? Nope. Let's go down to the gas station. We've been down to the gas station more than once. Because we had to tell somebody about God. So I've now gone to both gas stations by my house, and they yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> But like, what is that in me? What is that in us that we're so complacent that like we have the greatest, not just the greatest news, we have the only thing that matters. The point is living in us. Our brothers and sisters are dying for him and we can't get up off the couch to go to the gas station to tell somebody about him. As for me, I got to punch complacency in the face and get in my car and go. I invite you to join me. Number two, how do you really know that you believe and live like God is the point? You don't allow anything in your life to be accused of being more important than God. Here's the biblical word. That's called an idol. You can make a God out of anything. Anything that you love more than him is your God anything that you focus on, give more attention to, are more passionate about. Again, I, I encourage you to be passionate about things in this life. God has, des- there's some people, some preachers that it's like, you, you know, just, just leave everything. No, like God has given us good things to enjoy, food and friends and and like art and We are for those things. Every good thing has come from the Father. He wants us to enjoy life and life abundant. But sin is disordered love. That's what Augustine says. Right? A good Father gives us good things, but when we take those good things and put them above the Father, that's what sin is. And so love and love well. But don't love anything more than you love Him because He is the point. Like, your salvation isn't even the point. Right? Your salvation is not the point. God is the point. But God wanted us to be saved so that we can Live with him forever and be with him. It's always been his desire that he would be our God and that we would be his people. Number three, how do, you, how do you know that you believe and live like God is the point? You make God the number one pursuit of your life no matter how you feel. No matter how you feel. It's not about just coming to church and painting on a smile and putting on a mask. It's not about the Holy Spirit goosebumps that you get at youth camp. It's not about whether that worship set spoke to you. The worship set is not for you. Here's another thing that bothers me. I talk about ministry so much and i ministering to People you know the the ministry that we're supposed to do is minister to God this team up here their whole job is to minister to the heart of God and invite you to come along, it's not to minister to you my job right now preaching is not primarily to preach to you a good message it's primarily to honor my God by preaching his truth and honoring his heart. And now secondarily, I hope and I pray that it ministers to you and it challenges you and that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. But my primary job is not to say to you what you wanna hear, it's to honor God. He's the point. I'm out of time, but I just, I just, I have to, I wanna read one more thing. It's the second to last chapter in the book, uh, uh, in the, the book, the Bible. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm done preaching. I'm just gonna read the Bible now, and I want to invite you to close your eyes, and then I'm, I'm, we're gonna end. But this wasn't, this wasn't even really part of my message. But I just feel prompted to read this. Where a lot of us are thinking about the end, a lot of us are thinking about what's it gonna be like, you know. And I just want to encourage you: the victory is won. Jesus is on the throne. The kingdom is coming. This life is but a mist. No matter what you're facing, in the halls of your school, and your friends making fun of you, or in your job, or in if you're in Afghanistan, a fearful of your life, like we have eternity to spend with the king. This is a description. Just if you would, close your eyes and just listen. Revelation chapter 21, John says this I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God will be with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither neither shall there be any mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and he who was seated on the throne said behold I'm making all things new and he said write this down for these words are trustworthy and true and he said to me it is done I am the alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. To the one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly and the faithless and the detestable, as for the murderers and the sexually immoral immoral, and the sorcerers and adulterers and the liars, Their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Stick with me. Then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls from the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God Its radiance like the most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and the 12 gates had angels in the gates, and the names were the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel, and they were inscribed in the east three gates, and the north three gates, and the south three gates, and the west three gates, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And the one spoke with me had a measuring rod made of gold. And he measured the city and the gates and its walls. And the city lies four square, its length, the same as as its width. And he measured the city with its rod, 12,000 stadia. The length and the width and the height height are equal. He measured its walls, 144 cubits, by human measurement, which is also the angel's measurement. Stick with me. And the wall was built of jasper. While the city was pure gold, listen to this, like clear glass. And the foundations of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, and the second sapphire, and the third agate, and the fourth emerald, and the fifth onyx, and the sixth carnelian, and the seventh chrysolite, and the eighth beryl, and the ninth topaz, and the tenth chrysoprase and the eleventh, Genesis, and the twelfth, Amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and each of the gates were made of a single pearl, and the streets of the city were as pure gold. Listen to this. Like transparent glass. We're almost done. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the lord god the almighty and the lamb and the city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine for the glory of god gives it light and its lamp is the lamb and by its light will all the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and the gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's so much beauty in that passage, but what I want to specifically point out to you is three times it describes the most precious Valuable things that we have on this planet, namely gold, and it describes it as clear as glass. Have you ever seen gold that is clear before? Did you catch it transparent like glass? What's the point? The point is that no matter what it is, even the most magnificent, majestic, valuable thing that we can imagine exists to be transparent to only reflect the glory of God that even gold will not draw your attention even gold you will not see in heaven because everything exists for you to look at God because God is the point he is the point of eternity He is the point of heaven, and he is the point of this life. I pray that in the most applicable way, you would live every moment for God. He is not asking you to get rid of everything in your life and just come and sit in church. What he's asking you to do is to live for him in everything that he's given you.